We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Hey everybody, this week's throwback episode is going to be originally aired, or was originally aired, on August 23rd of 2018. It's actually a follow-up to what we sent out as our podcast last week about Is Weekly Lord's Supper Necessary? This was a follow-up question that happened a couple of weeks later in our video series, but for podcasts, you get it right after, and it's on who should take the Lord's Supper. Is it something that is truly open to anyone who is attending a worship service, or are there certain qualifications for people who would take the Lord's Supper each week? Anyway, that's going to be our discussion today. Thanks again for joining us. We actually have a follow-up to a video we did a couple weeks ago. Mm. So a few weeks ago, we had a discussion about how often to have the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And the question that has come as a follow-up is, who should take the Lord's Supper? So who's supposed to take it? When should you? Is there something specific about who you're with? And we can explore some of those things. But just as a quick recap, can you remind them what is the Lord's Supper? Like, why do we take the Lord's Supper? The Lord's Supper is a covenant meal instituted by Jesus on the night he was crucified. And the people of Israel uh, during that same time were taking the Passover meal, which was Mm -hmm. the Old Testament covenant meal. Right. And um, it reminded them of God's redemption of them from Egypt and slavery and his choosing of them as a people. Mm -hmm. And Jesus introduced the Lord's Supper and said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Mm -hmm. So the covenant is when we come into Christ, this agreement that, that God offers us and we accept that if we will submit to Jesus and his lordship, God will cleanse all of our sins and bless us and give us an eternal home and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's all wrapped up with because we belong to Jesus and we are redeemed by his sacrificial sacrifice of his body and his blood, then we remember and renew that covenant in the Lord's Supper. So it's a, it's a right R-I-T-E, not R-I-G-H-T. That's okay. very important. Yes. It is a rite Which... of remembrance and reconnecting for those who have a covenant with Jesus Christ. Okay. So that kind of answers the first part of the question of who's supposed to take it. It's people who are in that covenant. Yes. And that's, that's right. That's, that's very true. But a lot of people out there, I think, might not fully grasp that and that we go a little further. Yes, I agree. So because it gets into the question of, and maybe you've sat in a service and seen this, or you've thought about it yourself, but you go, all right, I've got a friend with me who, you know, let's say I know that I've been baptized. I know that I'm in this covenant relationship and all these different things that I've learned for years. 
what do I do with the friend who's next to me that I don't know, or maybe I know for sure they haven't? You know, I've got my kid next to me and they really want a bite of that cracker. Isn't it okay to give them a little bite of the cracker? There's all these questions that yes. come in. Yes. And I think people wonder, am I doing something bad if I get into that? Should I stop people? Should I? It, okay. Well, there's a whole lot there. I know. We'll address some of that in just a minute. I think we need to, to lay the foundation first of, of, is it just for baptized people? Sure. Let, let's do that. If, okay. we, if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses uh-huh. 16 and 17. 1 Corinthians 10. There is, in many of your translations out there, there's the word communion. In some of your translations, there will be the word participation or sharing. And um, some translations may even have the word fellowship. The word is koinonia. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a what in your Bible there in verse 16? Verse 16, mine says, get to the right one, it's a cup of thanksgiving in which we participate in the blood of Christ. All right. Participate. Mm-hmm. Um, now, re- read me that verse out of yours directly, please. All right. And this is the NIV, verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 10. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? All right, now think about this. When we drink that cup, we are saying that we participate in the blood of Christ. Hmm. That the blood of Christ is cleansing our sins. Yeah. Now we might ask the question, is the blood of Christ cleansing everybody's sins in the world? It would like to. Yes, it would like to, but is it? No. No, it's not. Okay. So um, if you read the next verse in verse 17, he says, Mm -hmm. is is the bread which we break, is it not a participation? Mm -hmm. Some translations will say communion. Yep. Some translations will say sharing Mm -hmm. in the body of Christ. For we all, being many, are one loaf, one body, because we all partake of the one loaf. Yep. So the one loaf or the one bread, the one cup is to be shared by the one body, which is the what? Body of Christ. Which is the what? The church. The church. So Christ's church. Now, everybody out there, that doesn't mean any church that does anything. That's Christ's church that teaches the biblical plan of salvation, that that tries to follow the teachings of the apostles in the New Testament. So... For a, for a reference that goes along with this, if you go to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it talks about how we get into the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Read that one for us. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. All right. So we're baptized into the one body. And then we're partakers, we're sharers in that body. And I guess the blood of Christ flows through the body of Christ, if you want to think of it that way. And so those who have been baptized into Christ, into his death, those people are part of his body, the church. They are the ones that are supposed to partake of the communion. Now, communion, remember, means participation, sharing. And that word means what we share with God, 
the saving relationship we share with God, which we also share with each other. Yep. Okay? So if I haven't heard and obeyed the gospel, if I have never submitted myself to uh, Jesus Christ as Lord and been baptized into His death, then the meaning of the Lord's Supper does not apply to me. Hmm. It's just another drink and something yeah. to eat. Yeah, and, and I think many churches of Christ today are, are making a very wrong move when they simply say from the pulpit, any visitors, anybody that comes from anywhere, we just invite all of you to take of the Lord's Supper. What they're doing is they're opening a covenant meal that, that to God means that you have a covenant with Him and you've been baptized into Christ. Mm-hmm. They're opening it to people who do not have a covenant with God hmm. and inviting them to say something that's not true. So is it, would it be more a, they are cheapening the meaning of what's happening or are they actually doing something that gets them in spiritual hot waters. Oh, I think it's spiritual trouble because we have compromised what it really takes to have a relationship with God. We're telling people that they can have this covenant relationship with God without obeying God. Hmm. And so we are we are not doing it as they did in the Bible. Let's right. put it that way. So so we're teaching the wrong thing by doing that. And does it I mean, would that have like a negative impact on the person, even if they don't understand all the depth of exactly what's going on. You mean if I took it and I wasn't supposed to? Yeah. I don't think it has as much negative impact on the person who's ignorant and takes it as it does on those who encourage it, the teachers. Mm. Remember, James said, be not many of you teachers. Yours is the heavier judgment. Okay. And uh, back in Ezekiel, it says, watchmen, you know, if you warn the wicked of his wicked way, then I'll, you'll be delivering your soul. But if you fail to warn him, then it'll be your soul. Okay. So as teachers, we have an obligation to teach more on this. I don't I don't think that we have to be Lord's Supper police. And that's I think that's where I was gonna head with one of the comments we made earlier. All right, let's say you're the one up front and we can see that the role like you were talking about, the teacher. You know, you're introducing the Lord's Supper, you're preaching on it sometime, and we make that clear distinction and try to explain to people. Um, but let's say you're the one in the pew. Mm-hmm. And there's a visitor next to you, or there's a friend you've brought with you, and y'all didn't have like a deep theological discussion about exactly what's going to go in. You're just getting them in the door. Yeah. And the plate comes around. Do you go? No, I don't think so, because our 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 goal there is to teach the person and to keep them around long enough so that they understand what it's really for. Mm. But um, I think that. Many preachers and elderships do a woefully poor job of publicly educating their congregations and visitors about what it is and who it's for. And I think we can do this in a positive way. Uh, we can say, you know, our goal is to bring everyone who comes to, uh, you know, to our assemblies or everyone we meet into a relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. This is how that happens. The Lord's Supper is for those people that have a covenant relationship with Christ. If you're visiting with with us, we can't wait for the day when you're baptized into Christ and you can yeah. participate in this with us. But we make it clear by what we teach that it is for 
those who have obeyed the gospel have been baptized into Christ. And by doing that, I think we have more fully met our responsibility. Right. Now, what about the kids? Mamas yeah. and daddies. You may not feel like you can be Lord's Supper police for the people next to you, and that's not necessarily your role. But certainly, certainly you can teach your own children what the Lord's Supper is and who it's for. And by, by telling them, no, it's not for you yet until you mm-hmm. uh, have this relationship with God, you're at least preparing them for the idea that I'm going to one day accept the gospel and, and obey the gospel in baptism, and one day I'll be partaking of the Lord's Supper, and they yeah. know that. Now, the reality of that is there may be those awkward times where the parent is holding well, the Well, of course. I mean, those things happen, of and that's course. okay. That's not what I'm talking about. I know, but there, I guarantee there's a parent out there going, but Dan... My my little two year old, when the cracker passes around, he's going to grab just, for it and he might get it. That's not what we're talking and he's about. He's going to fuss at me if I don't give it to him. Well, but you know. but you have an opportunity to teach, and and yeah. even if he hollers and you have to take him out for a minute, I think it's valuable to um, teach our children that and let them respect what's going on. Uh, one of my friends, um, Denny Petrillo, who's probably watching this somewhere. Uh, when he was a kid, uh, he thought, you know, first you bite the cracker and then you drink the juice and then you pay for it. Uh, and he didn't get it and neither do any of us until we're taught better. See? Yeah. So, so there is a teaching opportunity. Absolutely. Now, is there anything, because some people, as they're hearing this, they might think that, and maybe because of different backgrounds they're coming from, is there something special about the drink and the cracker? That we're holding it back because there's something like... No, it's just, it's just the element itself is just grape juice and an unleavened piece of bread. But Jesus said, when he took the bread, he said, now this is my body. Now, it used to be that we were, the people of Israel were remembering the, the Passover lamb that was killed. You yeah, know? exactly. Jesus is the lamb of God. And... And the bread, this is a good good question, I'm glad you brought it up. Deuteronomy 16, verse 3, calls that Passover bread the bread of suffering, the bread of affliction. Hmm. So when Jesus took that bread of suffering, that bread of affliction, and said, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. Well, Jesus gave his life. He's the Lamb of God. He suffered for us to pay for our sins. And we reap the benefit of that when we're in Christ because we have the atonement that was given for our sins. So we're sitting there and taking the Lord's Supper and we say, Lord, thank you so much for giving your body. Thank you that this is my sacrifice to God and God accepts it for my soul and that I have that redemption in Christ. That's the kind of thought process that should be going on as we take the bread and the the same for the cup. The cup in the Old Testament, had no significance. Hmm. In fact, you can't even read about, <clears throat> in the Old Testament, a cup that was uh, part of the Passover feast. It just isn't hmm. mentioned. Interesting. But in the Mishnah, you know, they, they had four cups that were uh, participated in at different parts of the night in the Passover feast in the, in the time of Jesus, and they were more or less markers for different parts of the service. But Jesus added something. He said, this is my blood 
yeah. of the new covenant, which is poured out. So, you know, Jeremiah said, someday I'm going to make a new covenant. And when the gospel was first preached on Pentecost, that covenant was offered to people for the first time. And when those 3,000 were baptized, they accepted that new covenant that if you'll submit to Jesus as Lord, um, His sacrifice will cleanse you of sin and you'll, you'll be, have the grace of God. Mm-hmm. So, it, so when we drink the grape juice, we're thanking God for that and praising Him for that. And we're grateful to Him for that. And we're grateful that we have the relationship. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we're coming to God at that same moment and if we're really thinking about that, we say, and Lord, I want to keep this relationship. Mm. Yeah. I want to continue in this covenant. And uh, so that's why it's so special. It's not the cracker. It's not yeah. the grape juice, but it's the personal covenant that that we have that we think about when we take those things. Yeah, it's it's our weekly reminder. It's the the physical connection to the spiritual you know, covenant relationships, yeah, all those different things. Let me throw something in historically that that maybe puts this in some perspective. Um, In the early Christian writings, it's pretty clear that, um, like it is in Scripture, that that many times there were visitors to their services, Mm -hmm. the assemblies of the Christians. And the hope was that they would be convicted and blessed by being there. Sure. But... One of the practices we see reflected in the church fathers of like the second, third, fourth centuries is they typically met together and had their service and their preaching and their all the other stuff. And then they thanked their guests and and wished them well and dismissed them Hmm. before they took the Lord's Supper. Yeah. And and that in itself shows that they understood quite clearly yeah. That the Lord's Supper was for the covenant people of God. Now, that's not a scripture thing. So yeah. don't, don't say that's a scripture thing. That's not a we need to do this in our worship service. No, but it certainly shows the <clears throat> consciousness of who it was for. Yeah. And so at least as we're teaching and as we're teaching our children and as we as a church present a, um, an expectation mm-hmm. of the Lord's Supper, I mean, we have a slide up there that says uh, we invite all baptized believers to partake sometime. Yeah. And I think from time to time we need to be very public and just teach about what it is and, and who it's for. And when I'm studying with somebody personally and trying to lead them to Christ, yeah. I try to teach them this and explain to them about the whole plan of salvation and the Lord's Supper and tell them. I can't wait until you obey the gospel and you're able to sit down with us and we can take this together. It's a good thing to look forward to. And I think that's a big part of this. When people ask these questions and they start thinking about it, it can get really kind of on the back foot negative. You know, how can we stop people from doing these things? How can we tell them that they messed up? No, that's not it. Yeah. And it's if we really think about how important this is, it is an exciting thing that we can try to explain to people and look forward to that time. And I think many people, the way that they have been conditioned, it's a, it's a real motivation for them to want to obey the gospel mm-hmm. when, they, when they realize this because they want to be able to legitimately participate in the Lord's Supper. Yeah, it's a completion of the relationship. Right. Yeah, right. not only with God and Jesus, and all, but with the rest of the body that you're there with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Great question. 
I'm glad we had that follow-up. And there may be other questions you have about the Lord's Supper and different things. We'd love to address those because it is a vitally important part of our worship service, of our relationship with God. And Scripture says a fair amount about it that we can dig into. One so, more, one more thing, and I, I, you were cutting, you were done, and I'm I was sorry, ready to move but, on, but that's okay. But one more thing <laughs> I thought about on this is um, in First Corinthians eleven twenty two, um, he's talking about how the Corinthians were confusing this with a meal, a regular meal, and they right. were excluding some people in the church and all that kind of stuff. But Paul says, "What do you not have houses to eat and drink in?" Mm-hmm. Or do you despise the assembly of God and shame those that have nothing? Yeah. So his point is that this is not a food meal. This is not about that in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And, and he says later on in verse 34 or 33, if you're hungry, eat at home. <laughs> Doesn't he say that in one of those verses? Yeah, verse 34. If anyone's right. hungry, he should eat at home. So that when you meet together, it may not be a, a result in judgment. All right. So that's pretty strong there. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Bible says it. But, but it's not about feeding your jaws and feeding your kids. It's a, it's a sacred right that we need to love and respect and yeah. rejoice in. So I just thought I'd throw that in before we say, Happy trails to you. You want to harmonize? No. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.